Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I we're going to look at some serious subjects here this hour. And I have to warn you that uh, the topic of conversation is not necessarily going to be an easy one to get into. However, it's an important one. And that is the fact that the number of people who see the church as somewhat hypocritical uh, has risen yet again. During the pandemic, we saw this happen. I mean, and my goodness, can you believe it? We're coming up on the three-year anniversary of the pandemic. And the White House actually had the courage to say the pandemic will officially end on May the 11th. I mean, <laughs> it makes you wonder, right? But during the pandemic, we saw a big decline in people going to church, obviously, because no one was going anywhere. You know, there were lockdowns and shutdowns, and and many smaller churches wound up kind of uh, feeling the pinch. A lot of larger churches, and this is going to be a huge phenomenon in the next three to five years. How many churches that are operating at uh, a, a major loss but own a building, and maybe own the building outright? are going to find themselves with a dilemma of a church I knew in the La Jolla area that had maybe 10 to 15, 20 members. There are a couple of these churches, one in North County and, and one in La Jolla. And it was interesting because the church owned their property. They owned the land and they owned the building that the church was on, but there were 10, 15 people worshiping and they couldn't afford a full-time pastor and couldn't afford a full-time uh, music person or even part-time for that matter. And one pastor told me at a conference a couple of years ago, you know, we just pray that someone passes on and leaves us a bequest <laughs> because that's what keeps the church going. And it's interesting how when it comes to issues of money and, you know, that type of thing, how many people are, you know, they're, they're well, they're a little, um, a little leery, shall we say, of the, the fact that the, you know, churches and pastors and things of that nature sometimes can be um, a little suspicious. And sometimes the people that you don't think would be that suspicious uh, are the ones who actually wind up being on uh, the receiving end of getting a, a battering like this. Take, uh, for example, an elderly couple in Florida who now are finally getting a certain measure of justice at, because of the actions of a woman who describes herself as a prophetess and, well, you won't believe what happened. Yvonne Hampton Barley is the woman. She's 63 years of age. On her Facebook page, she calls herself a prophetess. And basically, this is what she did to an elderly couple, a couple in their 80s. What happened was um, she kind of cozied up to this couple basically gave them the impression that she had some kind of special message from God for them and that they should be doing some things like, uh, well, uh, letting her defraud them. Uh, basically, here's what happened. She befriended this couple and then added her name to, it was the husband and wife, added the, her name to the husband's bank accounts and began to show up at the bank and posed as his daughter. Over the course of the next several months, she withdrew approximately $18,000 from the regular checking account and savings accounts, saying that she had power of attorney. And apparently no one at the banks questioned her. Uh, there's a picture of her on our page for at bottomlineshow.com uh, in front of a, what looks like a classic Ford Thunderbird. She's got a big old smile. Looks like she's pretty well put together. Um, according to Miami-Dade police, she also attempted to tap into their retirement accounts. She tried to, tried to get a hold of their life insurance policy. And in 2018, she illegally transferred ownership of their home to herself. This is a pastor who basically set up shop to steal the assets of an elderly couple who apparently did not have any uh, heirs, or maybe they did. I'm not exactly quite sure. But can you imagine? I mean, I, I have been in the council of and company of pastors who find this dilemma with their elderly parishioners not the dilemma here, the, the, this, this couple were completely being fleeced by this so-called prophetess. But 
elderly people, maybe a widow. I think of one in particular. Uh, Lily was a sweetheart, and she, uh, she and her husband did not have children. Her husband passed away, and then she started to suffer. It was either Alzheimer's or dementia, and she had uh, she was of limited means, but I mean she had some assets, and eventually she had to um, uh, find an executor of her estate to they set up a living trust uh, because she was getting scammed largely by telemarketers who were tapping into her fear of, uh, well, she was a pretty staunch conservative, so she was very afraid of the Democrat Party, and she was giving money to all these groups that said, oh, yeah, we're fighting Democrats, blah, blah, blah. And you know they're out there. Eventually, she wound up finding her way into a retirement home, and and, uh, the, the church was very beneficial in helping her do that. But you've got to have the highest level of integrity with people at the church when they're helping the elderly help the adult children of the elderly who might be out of state and uh, for one reason or another don't have any involvement in mom and dad's financial dealings. Um, I'll be honest with you, my brother and sister and I all live in different areas. My brother's out of state, my sister and I are in California, but we're you know a couple hours apart from each other. And we have found a way to make things work for our parents that where we would never just call their local church and say, hey, would you manage their estate for them? Will you handle their finances for them? Come on. I mean, who does that, right? But Yvonne Hampton Barley, 63-year-old so-called prophetess from Miami, Florida, literally befriended a couple in their 80s, gave herself power of attorney and forged a document to where she was became a signator on an elderly gentleman's bank accounts, tried to attach to their 401k, their IRA, their social security benefits, their life insurance, and illegally transferred ownership of their home to herself. Basically, she put herself in a position whereby she could basically lay claim to all of their assets once they passed away. Ralph Ventura is a... uh, the attorney representing the victim's family, uh, now the prophetess Hampton Barley, is facing charges including grand theft, an organized scheme to defraud, and exploitation of the elderly. Angel Rodriguez, as a spokesman for the Miami-Dade Police Department, has said, as a community, when a member of a community of the elderly is exposed, we take these crimes very, very seriously. Um, And they're encouraging... Uh, anybody who may have been befriended, quote-unquote, by Yvonne Hampton Barley to come forward. Uh, The couple now are relieved and gratified that justice is being done. Uh, The so-called prophetess is now behind bars, and they have moved out of the area and done a much more diligent job of taking care of their assets. But it's such a shame when you see something like this happen And it makes you wonder, during COVID, of course, a lot of people stopped going to church on a regular basis, largely because of the pandemic and the health concerns. But once church resumed, guess what? A lot of people stopped going to church. I know a lot of major churches have actually extended uh, programs like Tony Evans' Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas has started an online membership program. They take membership very seriously. Of course, being involved in the community and tithing and offering, but they're now having like a, what we used to call them pastor's classes at my churches, where you can become a member of the church, an affiliate associate member online because so many people are worshiping there on the internet. And, you know, I I understand that there are some people who would do something like that, maybe out of convenience, maybe a health issue that arose during the pandemic, or maybe they're just sick of going to church. Maybe they've had a bad experience at church. Maybe there's a little bit of clergy abuse or just the mean girl, mean guy bullying syndrome or whatever it is. Typically, when we think of people who stop going to church on a regular basis, it's men. There, we, we all talk about the church widow, you know, the woman who goes to church, brings her kids to church, and the, uh, the dad stays at home and his church is NASCAR, the NFL, whatever, you know, golf, whatever he likes to watch. But what's interesting is over the past decade, prior to COVID, the number of American women who have left the church is now equal to the number of American men who have left the church. Now, this may be because married couples are leaving together, but what about single women? I mean, when you look at the voting block, 
that was seeking to protect abortion rights, you know, the, the college-educated white woman who basically fueled the Democrat insurgents in the 2022 midterms, you have to ask the question, are you or is someone you know one of the 16 million American women who literally left the church over the past decade? These aren't necessarily women who don't want a relationship with God. They just left the church. Erica Anderson is a, a researcher. She's a writer. She's a publisher, literary agent, etc., etc. But she was fascinated with this decline in women in church because that's something that she struggled with as well. Do we want to be in church? Do we not want to do? So why are women leaving? Well, she took a look at the numbers and wrote a book about what she found. The book is called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Eric is going to join me on the other side of this break to talk about this fascinating phenomenon. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. This is an exciting time. We just finished our first movie. We had a great turnout from KBRT, and we want you to know that you're invited to the second one. Those of you who missed it, because we know there's quite a few who would like to have come, it's going to be on February the 25th. It's going to be at the Gem Theater. They're going to have free popcorn, free sodas, and free hot dogs. It's a fun location. It's a fun place to go and take you back in time. But really what it does is it's even more fun to get the information because the information that you get can really be vital to where you are now or where you're going to be in five years from now. And so when do you start thinking about retirement? Well, you better start thinking about it now. And and so this will get you ahead of the ball, get you ahead of the curve. We can't emphasize enough that it is really a, for lack of a better word, it's a non-denominational movie. It's just there to give you the facts and let you disseminate how and what you're going to do with your future. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to dive into a topic that has been a topic of conversation for a lot of people for many years, and I think it's a good conversation to have. I don't know where all of the answers lay necessarily, but I have come across a resource that I think will get us in this direction. Uh, Erica Anderson is a freelance writer. She's a podcast host. Uh, she also owns the Fitch and Publishing Writing Company, and she's the author of a brand new book called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Erica Anderson, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, I'm going to start with a fairly obvious, maybe obtuse question regarding women and the church. It seems that what we hear is the majority of people who go to church are women. The majority of people who buy Christian resources are women. But it sounds like you're suggesting, hey, maybe uh, some women are starting to rethink that equation. Is that what you mean by the title or where are you going with that? Yeah. So it, it essentially it stems from some data that I found that basically says that women have begun leaving the church at faster rates than ever before in history. Mm. And typically men have left at faster rates in general. And I'm pretty sure men still do, but women are catching up. So whereas there used to be this big gap between how many uh, women were leaving and how many men were leaving, now that gap is getting very small. And we're seeing women leave faster, really in the past like 10, 12 years or so mm -hmm. specifically. And so- when I saw this, I felt very compelled to write about it. And, and, you know, at the same time, I found information saying that, you know, these women were not deconverting or becoming atheists mm -hmm. and all of this. They were still Christians. They still identified as Christians, many of them. And so I thought something's missing. There's like a miscommunication here. And I would really like to speak to this group of people. Well, you do so in the book, Reason to Return, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. I mean, obviously, we can't just say, hey, in 60 seconds, tell us why women are leaving the church at the same rate as men. But can we take a look at some of the reasons why they are leaving? I mean, sure. is it generational? Is it political? What 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 is your research telling you, Erica? Well, research shows that, you know, sort of as the generations go, go on in, you know, across the board, both genders, uh, people do leave more. Um, we are seeing that. However, um, women specifically, it seems to come down to a couple of different things. The the primary reason being um, people feeling stressed out, overwhelmed, over busy. Um, you know, they church has sort of become just one more thing in their list of things to do in their busy mm -hmm. lives. And because America has become, you know, so much more of a post-Christian nation lately, and, you know, in the past couple of decades, it's becoming more and more post-Christian. Um, church is just no longer that 
important to people or it's not, you know, as big of a factor as before. And so when people are stressed and busy and all these things, like it's one of the first things to go because Sunday mornings are one of the only days of the whole week, especially if you're talking about like a busy mom, for example, like that's the only time that there is any downtime. Yeah. And as a mom myself of small kids, I, it's hard to get kids out the door. It's literally, it, you wouldn't think it would be that hard, but it is very hard. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and so I think it's that, and it's, uh, and it's this, you know, kind of just overwhelm of life and not taking the time to intentionally think about like, what do I want and what am I doing? And the studies have found that women say that one of the number one things that they would like to improve in their life is their relationship with God and their faith life. And yet they are not taking the actions according to the same survey. They're not taking the action to actually improve that. They put it sort of last on the priority list. Mm. And so I want to ask people to say, okay, well, look at what you're saying you want and look what you're doing. Those things don't go together. How can we re, um, re, uh, prioritize our lives to be stepping towards the things that we really, truly value as the most important. Boy, Erica Anderson is asking some great questions today here on The Bottom Line, and I'm glad we're addressing them. Her new book is called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Erica, did you discover in your research that church had become less of a priority, especially in the lives of women, maybe who had been hurt by the church or they'd been reading about like the Southern Baptist situation, you know, with the leadership there and the way women were kind of marginalized or even uh, mm-hmm. mistreated was, is, is that a, a main issue or is that one of many perhaps? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's hard to say they don't really have like cut and dry numbers, you know, exactly. That certainly does play into it though. That's definitely, you know, church hurt, those kinds of things were definitely stories that I found people that I heard from. And, um, it is part of why I wrote the book. Um, one of the key phrases that I use throughout the book is the church of your past doesn't have to be the church of your future. And that's mm. sort of a phrase that I feel like God gave to me in the beginning of this process, because, Um, I want to introduce people to the idea that there are a lot of churches out there and there's a lot of different kinds of churches and different kinds of communities. And I, I ask people to say like, can you imagine a future in a different kind of church? You were hurt by this person. You were hurt in this place. Um, and that is valid and that's something to process and work through and find healing from and take time away if you need to. Um, but please know in the process that there are healthy communities and good Christians that want to welcome you back when you're ready. And let's just think about that and what that might look like. Uh, Because what I find sometimes is that people haven't opened their hearts to that idea, or they're sort of sitting in the bitterness of the past without considering what a future in faith community might look like. And I want people to be thinking about that as they're moving forward and they're healing and they're, you know, getting to a place where they feel better. Yeah. Erica Anderson's new book is called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and a fascinating study that she has done regarding new statistics that indicate that when it comes to people getting frustrated with the church and leaving, it is generational as we suspected, as we see the fewer and fewer uh, people in the church universal having a biblical worldview and that that kind of starts with you know more biblical worldview uh holding of to the older generation by the time you get to millennial generation z and and even younger it's it's even less but the fact that women are now leaving the church in the same rates as men is is very alarming and yet i love the way you present this erica in it, it very matter of fact if you will i mean just in terms of saying hey here are the reasons why women are leaving the church Uh, You also then have a section where you talk about the reasons to reconsider. And it's very interesting the way you lay this out. I thought, oh, good. This is the yay. Okay, we're going to we're going to turn it all around. And it seems like every one of the reasons to reconsider is, yeah, I know you're discomforted and I I know you're lonely. And it's like, wait, one last second. I was I was hoping it might have a little more of a smile, but I love the way you reach people where they are. Talk about some of the reasons that women are saying, okay, I left the church because but now I I think based on what Erica's suggesting, I could. I could try it once again. Well, I think <clears throat> I think some of it comes down to the idea I was just talking about in terms of 
re, uh, you know, envisioning a, a different kind of space and a different kind of place. I think people mm-hmm. have oftentimes they've, you know, say grown up in the Catholic church or they grew up in the Baptist church and it was one particular way. And there were lots of rules. I know I hear from a lot of Catholic people that, and, and this is not a, a, you know, I'm not knocking Catholics at all. I'm just saying a lot of people like that grew up in Catholic school or grew up Catholic as a very religious and less of a faith-based thing. Mm-hmm. And so they feel um, like it was just all rules and expectations. And so, um, and it's hard to like walk into a different denomination or a different, like kind of way that your faith is lived out. Um, but I think introducing that idea is one reason I think some people might be able to say, well, I guess you're right. Like I haven't really tried a lot of other things. Like maybe there's hope for me there. Um, but also, um, I think getting to the why behind why we, attend church by we are part of faith community. I think so many people are sort of not knowledgeable about God's purpose for the church and why he created it and why he calls us there and why it's important. And when you don't know the why behind why you do something, you're a lot less likely to do it because you don't, you don't have a lot, you know, pushing you to do it. So I try to do some educating in the book, you know, just mm-hmm. talking about, you know, why God gave us this community and how we are each a part of it and is not complete unless all believers are participating in this local church um, concept. And also what does the church, what does church really mean? Um, because right. people think of it as a Sunday morning and going to a building, uh, but it's really, that's such a, just a portion of what it is. If that's all you're doing, you're really not participating in the fullness of what church is supposed to be. And so I think some people may say, oh, well, no wonder that I didn't, you know, that it wasn't like, it didn't feel right before because I wasn't even doing it right. And I didn't even understand why I was doing it and all of these things. So I think that's part of it. But the second half of it is the data that I go into talking about how those that attend church on a regular basis, like it has to be a weekly basis. That makes a, the distinction is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, I mean, all the stats, life is better. I mean, life is just better for this particular demographic of people. They are happier. They are healthier. Um, they are more giving, they have better relationships. I mean, the list goes on and it's incredible. And people kind of, sometimes I talk about that or I'll put up a video on like a TikTok or something about it. People get very like, well, that's not true. And I'm like, no, these stats come from Pew. They come from Gallup. Mm -hmm, These are not like, you know, some random church spewing statistics. It's like real, it's true. It's just a reality of what church community does for a person. And so I really strove to get, emphasize that and show people like, Hey, here's what you could be missing out on. um, If you are not participating. Yeah. And and it's amazing how when you look at this book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women by Erica Anderson with stuff at the bottom line show.com. All the reasons why you would have for having left a church, you could look at this book and look at the research and say, wait a minute, it maybe it wasn't those reasons, but it was the way it played out in your local church experience, or maybe in your family or whatever it was. And you'll see that positive connection. And I'm so excited we're having this conversation today. Erica Anderson, author of the book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. It's got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things that Erica teased us with a little bit with regard to what the statistics say about church and community and loneliness and generosity and all those things that are reasons why some people would leave, getting plugged into the right church body actually shows that these are reasons to stay and thrive. We'll talk about that more in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Isn't this an interesting conversation? Erica Anderson is my guest. We're discussing research that she has done based on statistical analysis from people like George Barna and others. And of course, George, a regular contributor to The Bottom Line Show. Um, and, and she discussed the phenomenon, why, are, why did 16 million American women leave the church over the last decade? And it wasn't just COVID. It wasn't just because they moved out of the area and couldn't find a new church to go back to. Um, She's written a book about her research. It's called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church, and the Church Needs Women. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a copy of the book to give away right now. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, Anecdotally, this is a book that really hit home for me because I know uh, two young ladies in my world, uh, my two daughters, who had a season where 
for distance reasons or other reasons, church was online. This was well before uh, the COVID thing hit. Could not find a church that they wanted to be at and occasionally visited churches and dropped in on churches. But my daughters went through this for several years before only recently, within the past, say, six to nine months, finding a place. I mean, Em and Brian moved to Texas. They found a church that they called home literally from, it's, it's right down the street. It was the first one they visited. They have a great youth ministry and they're like, okay, perfect. Perfect for the grandson. They're loving it. But they went through a season pretty much from the time Isaac was born where they really just struggled to find a church. And it got to the point where it was just kind of easier to say, okay. And uh, younger sister, same thing. They moved out of the area, moved to San Francisco, then to LA and uh, back to Orange County. And it's only been recently that they've found a church that they can get plugged into in a couples group and stuff like that. But this is a huge phenomenon. If there's a young woman, maybe an adult daughter uh, in your world that has uh, left the church, this is a great book to have to understand why women are leaving 16 million over the last decade and why it's important for them to return, not just to pad our numbers, but definitely to uh, to have an impact in the kingdom and to grow spiritually. Erica Anderson's book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women, up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away a copy today, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That is the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Erica Anderson in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine. Now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Erica Anderson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. She has written a fascinating new book, and I know it's a book for women about the phenomenon of women leaving the church. But guys, if you read this and don't get something out of it, well, you're missing out. The book is called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Erica, I I say this um, anecdotally, but I think one of the most refreshing parts of this book for me is I get hit with a lot of books about, you know, missed history for women and, you know, a misogynistic church, this and blah, blah, blah. I love the fact that you are focusing on, yes, the phenomenon is women are leaving the church at the same rate as men. Here's why the church is good for women. Here's why the women are good for the church. And let's let's reconvene. I mean, as opposed to that, it's, it does, I don't get the sense you had an ax to grind in putting this book out. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, I didn't. I just have a love for the church and a love for women and want them to thrive and flourish in their lives. And I believe that as Christians, uh, you cannot fully thrive in this life on earth without being a part of a, or, you know, can't fully thrive in your faith life without being a part of a faith community as God calls us to, um, because he tells us like, we will find life there and he will, we will find his spirit there and we are needed there. And somebody needs us there and all of these things. Um, and, uh, I, you know what? I had a thought I was heading towards it and I just lost it. <laughs> oh, that's, well, let, let me ask, let me give you an anecdotal story. And sure, sure. This will jog in memory. Uh, my wife and I have six kids between the two of us. It's a, it's a blended family. And um, my two oldest daughters um, are both married and uh, one became a parent. Uh, she and her husband welcomed a grandson in. And he grew up in kind of an evangelical non-denominational church. And she grew up in a Lutheran church where I was part of for about 30 years. And both the girls kind of drifted away from it. You know, the church got too old. They didn't really want to be there. One of them moved out of the area, that type of stuff. But they were always hoping for and praying for a church. Older daughter and her husband and my grandson moved to Texas last summer. 
And the first thing they did was they found a church and it was literally because it was the church that was closest to their neighborhood. It had a great children's ministry. And now they're there every week, including my, my uh, son-in-law. Sometimes if my daughter's not feeling great, he and Isaac are there and they just, they're loving it. And since they have found their church, younger daughter and her husband said, we need to find a church too. And it's amazing how, when they started looking for it, it was a lot easier to find it than I think they thought it was going to be. Talk, talk about why, you know, we, we talk about how we need the church, the church needs us, but this is not an insurmountable task if we will <laughs> let God lead us. And, you know, the, there there are church communities out there that are toxic, but there are lots of them that are fantastic too. And they're just waiting for us to show up. Yeah, that's one thing I really emphasize is that, yes, there are toxic communities, there are toxic leaders. We've all seen it. We've all been, you know, privy to it and it breaks my heart and it I always like to say uh, it breaks God's heart more than anything when, when yeah. these things happen, but there are far more healthy, good communities out there and you don't hear about them because they're not causing trouble and they're right. not in the they news. Don't get the headlines. Yeah. They're just there. I mean, the, I think about so many, I mean, there are over 300,000 churches in the United States. And I think about so many of these small town pastors, especially, you know, in some of the like flyover States, it's like, they're just faithfully serving God with their lives, doing what they were called to do. And I, I've, I've said in the past, you know, I think some of the people with the best seats at the table in heaven are going to be names that we've, nobody's ever heard of them. Right, you know, they're right. just going to be people like, there are like these amazing Christians that are doing these amazing things just where they are. And so, um, I would just encourage people to consider that like healthy church communities exist, not perfect ones. Um, if you've been a part of a church for a long time, I always say, I, we've all been hurt by the church in some way or by somebody. Yes, yes. Um, and just like in any other human community, you're going to find that. Um, but I can guarantee you that there are healthy communities out there and you have to, you just have to find them. Now it's not always super easy. You can't maybe just head to the first one you see, um, but it's worth the intention because when you become a part of a church, it's not just showing up on Sunday. It's, right. it's sort of integrating into a family, the family of God in a local way. And so I think it's well worth the pursuit. Just like if you're trying to get healthy in your body, it's well worth the pursuit of exercise and eating your vegetables and all of these things. The same goes for our spiritual health. We can't just like slide by hoping it goes well. And then it does. You have to put intentionality into this. And I think what is more important than this in the long run, when you think about things from that, you know, 25,000 foot perspective. Yeah. And that's helpful. Erica Anderson is my guest today here on the bottom line. And we're talking about her new book called reason to return why women need the church and the church needs women, especially in a culture where now women are as likely to leave the church as men. They're leaving at the same rates. But the good news is there is hope because the church needs women and women need the church and our families need this as well. Um, one of the things that uh, loneliness is a big issue and you find community in a church, which is great. Um, there, the, the ritual part of church doesn't seem abusive and ritualistic if it's done out of a love and mutual respect. But I know that there's a big push especially from the progressive side of the equation to say, well, you know, here's the deal. God loves you just the way you are, full stop. Where I was brought up, and you probably were too, with God loves you just the way you are and loves you too much to leave you like that. <laughs> so, you know, when you think about the authenticity part of the church, you know, what you want to just go, are women more likely than men, do you think, based on what your research is showing, mm -hmm. to say, yeah, I would love to go to a church, but they're going to ask me about this, or they're going to judge me about this, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. I do hear that a lot. Um, and I, what I, what I find a lot on Facebook groups, I did a lot of Facebook group research at moms groups and such. And, you know, there are people that will say, um, Oh, I'm looking for an open-minded church. That's, you know, inclusive and all these things. And what I, I put up a post the other day and I said, the, the Christianity is naturally inclusive. All are welcome. I, I right. highlighted a Bible verse that was like, Base, you know, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, all are invited, all are welcome. And, um, and so I think that's something to, to recognize just to say, like, literally everyone is welcome. Nobody, ha you don't have to change before you come to church. You don't right. have to stop all of your sins before you, you know, walk into a building or before you see God, you just, you go where you are. You come from where you are. That doesn't mean you stay there though. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think my sort of approach to this has just been, I think when, when people encounter the real Jesus, um, that encounter 
will lead them to the place that they should be. But I don't necessarily think they're going to encounter Jesus in a church that isn't teaching true biblical principles. And Mm -hmm. there are some churches out there like that. And that is why churches that are growing tend to be non-denominational churches. Um, The mainline churches are the ones that are losing people more than anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because they don't, they are not standing on solid ground in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. And having been part of both, I mean, I've spent 20 plus years in a non-denominational church and 30 plus in a mainline denominational church. I can see the pluses and minuses of both, but I can also see why people would say, I got hurt here, or uh, it wasn't good for my family here. In other words, it's kind of a church fail, as it were. And the good news that you write about, Erica, in the book, Reason to Return, is that our church past doesn't have to be our church future. Can you take the last 60 seconds of our time together here and talk about why that concept alone could be enough to motivate a woman to either herself or with her family say, okay, let's let the, the, the journey is, is worth the fight. It's worth the effort. Yeah. Well, I, it was really important to me to include personal stories. It's not just me sort of talking at you in this book. I have multiple stories of women who have been through this transition or even are going through it. There's one story where the the story really isn't even resolved by the end of the book, but it introduces you to a woman that's reconsidering. And I introduce you to people that have changed denominations or that one girl, she came from a, um, almost like a cult, uh, background and Mm. she didn't know it. And she had to you know, kind of process through that and heal that and see if she was ever going to be able to trust a church again. And she was able to come to that conclusion. So I think those stories are very powerful to just show you it's possible. Um, and I think if you are in a place where I, I, I have this feeling that people that hear this, that see this book, if there's a little part of them that has ever said, like, I should get back or there's something God is working on, on their hearts. I think a lot mm. of these women, God is working on their hearts. And this book is, is a sign to take that seriously. I don't mean rush to church. What I mean is, like I said before, think intentionally about what you want. And right. if you want a deeper relationship with God and a foundation, a faith foundation for your family, and you want to have a thriving spiritual life, consider some of the things in this book um, and just pray about them. Um, you know, the, prayer is going to be very powerful in this situation. Seek God's will and ask him to show it to you. Um, you know, I'm not going to convince you, but God will do the work, on, you know, in that way. And hopefully the messages in the book will, you know, sort of lead you in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. The words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart are acceptable in God's sight. It's going to, it's going to serve a purpose. It's going to accomplish something because the word isn't going to come back void. So how grateful we are, Erica, that you felt this compulsion to write this book, to do the research and to provide the encouragement, the not so great news that women are leaving the church in the same rates as men these days. But the good news is there are so many compelling reasons for women to be in church and to have their families in church and to find community in church and you write about it in this brand new book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women by Erica Anderson. It's my uh, my guest today here on The Bottom Line Show, and the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Erica, thank you so much for the work you've done in this book, and thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. What a great conversation. I wish we didn't have to have it. I really honestly, you know, people go, wow, I listened to The Bottom Line Show, and Roger had this great interview on, and you, your comments are great. What are you calling, by the way? Love the feedback that we get. Uh, hearing from a lot of people who are first-time callers but long-time listeners who, uh, you know, found the number and and, and wanted to ring in. Um, but this, I say this a lot. There are most of the ministries that people I have met over the past twelve years doing this show, most of the ministries that are that I find so fascinating are the ones that people did not want to start. You know, and Erica Anderson's research, I'm she look back on it and probably wrestled with it herself. I mentioned how this has impacted my family, my two adult daughters uh, and, and uh, our daughter in Texas right now, uh, Taylor and her husband, still looking for that right church location. It's not that they aren't baptized believers who want to have a church experience. They either went through a season of saying, oh, we'll just watch something online. We'll catch a podcast or whatever. But to see the compulsion they have now to be back in worship, I think is fantastic. And it really harkens to what Erica Anderson writes in her book called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. We've got a copy of the book to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, if you are the parent of one of the 16 million American women who have left the church over the last decade, or maybe that's your story, ladies, um, I, I encourage you to read this book and find out why women are leaving. And Erica makes a very compelling case as to why the church needs you, but why you need the church too. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to take a look at uh, something that seems like it should be a no-brainer, but evidently uh, it, 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 there's a lot of brain power involved in this, especially as it pertains to the sanctity of human life. We're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this special edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. My thanks again to Erica Anderson for joining me for the past half hour. Erica is a researcher. She's a Bible commentator, and uh, she's the author of, she's a podcast host and owner of the Pitch and Publishing Writing Company. Uh, Her latest book is called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Need Women. We need to have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away a copy right now at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Amazingly, uh, the number of women leaving the church now is equal to the number of men. In the past, we've historically thought, well, you know, here's the deal. We got to do something to try to get guys to come. But if we keep the women engaged, at least the women will be the ones who, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep bringing the kids to church. And we see a lot of, you know, church widows, as we used to call them back in the day. And that was a real statistic. I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I know that to be true because I was an anomaly. I was one of the church widowers. Uh, when my kids were little, uh, their mom went through a season where she just stopped going to church altogether. And I took the kids to Sunday school. And usually, I, ostensibly, it was the Sunday school. But uh, sometimes there was a donut bribe involved. No question about that. And to see all my kids as baptized believers walking in truth um, is very gratifying. But at the same time, I know that all of them have also gone on a sojourn experience in the culture where going to church on a regular basis wasn't part of the deal. And when we talk about regular basis, I'm glad Erica Anderson said, yeah, you know, going to church regularly as in once a week, not the cultural regularity, which as of five years ago was 19 times a year, seriously. The, the LifeWay research statistics showed that people who were considered to be uh, regular church attenders went 19 weeks out of 52. And that was either to Sunday morning or Wednesday night or something at the church. So basically somebody who went a little more than once a month was considered a regular attender. And it's nice to see people stepping up and saying, no, 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 wait. Regular means regular. And I know in the, uh, you know, as we shook off the cobwebs of COVID, uh, that desire to be with God's people, even if the worship wasn't quote-unquote perfect, was huge, especially after I got out of the the weekly and monthly routine of being in pastoral ministry and, you know, just kind of doing the spot preaching and that type of stuff, and you can go wherever you want to now because you're in a different location. And, well, I really just want to be with God's people. And to see 16 million American women over the last decade who have left the church, we think we talk about the number of people who identify as Christian, these are women who aren't necessarily unchristian anymore. They just don't, I mean, they want a closer relationship with God. They just left the church. And so Erica writes compellingly about why it's important for women to be in the church and for the church to have women in the church. And it's interesting. And it's more than just, man, I was watching one of the online services this past weekend, saw a young guy in the pulpit. They were doing a door knocking and hand out the, you know, the card, you know, campaign to kind of get people excited about Easter. He said, because we basically, we need more people here. I mean, our services are, we just need more people in the building. And I thought, wow, if that is your attitude, that the whole point of evangelism is because you need more people in the building, then you really need a new profession. Because people need the church and God loves his people to worship him together in spirit and truth in song and in dance and in whatever else you know forms of worship you you use in your worship service but by golly does any of us think that God needs our church because we need the job I mean dang <laughs> that was crucial um it's interesting story out of Kentucky that I, I wanted to share with you because sometimes the things that seem so obvious to us, in the body of Christ, 
are not so obvious to other people. Um, about a year or so ago, I told you about uh, the Commonwealth of Kentucky setting up a safe haven baby box campaign. This law was actually signed by Governor Andy Bashir back in 2021. And the safe haven baby boxes are great. Here, here's basically what they entail. <clears throat> a safe haven law allows for a woman who has given birth and does not feel that she can be a parent, wants to place the child for adoption, wants to release the child for adoption. And, uh, and so that she doesn't know how to do it, how to go about doing it. Now, you would think in a culture like ours, with the media opportunities that we have, that it would be a slam dunk, that everyone would rally around the concept of a safe haven law. Many states have laws right now where if a woman gives birth, let's say she's a teenager, she's scared, all of a sudden it was, it, it, she thought she could handle it, and the minute they cut the umbilical cord, she's like, oh my gosh, this is a human being, what do I do? Uh, where would you think a young person or maybe an older person who just says, look, I've got four kids and I can't handle a fifth. Where do you think they would go? Well, uh, how about a hospital? Doesn't that make sense that you could release a child for adoption in a hospital? That'd be a safe place medically, but do they have the legal chops? I mean, obviously you're talking about a baby that eventually is going to go into child protective services and to foster care and hopefully to be adopted. Maybe a better bet would be a police station. Because, I mean, they could handle the legal thing, and they could certainly get the baby to a hospital as needed. Uh, how about a fire department? That would make sense, right? I mean, a fire department makes sense because paramedics are there. or You know, they, they, they've got the means to take care of the kid. And from an emergency standpoint, why not? I was stunned when I started researching this uh, to discover how few states actually have safe haven laws. My guess is, and again, this is anecdotal, we actually may have more state laws protecting abortion rights than we do providing safe havens for babies. Kentucky was one of those states. In 2021, the Commonwealth of Kentucky passed a safe haven law that established the safe haven baby boxes, working in conjunction with a company called Safe Haven Baby Boxes, uh, to set up shop at fire stations or police departments or at hospitals, in some cases at pregnancy resource centers, where a woman can actually go and, you know, the, the abortion industry says, well, the reason you have to allow for legal abortion is, you know, those anti-abortion people say, well, if you get pregnant, uh, you get a kid, uh, you know, then, then th we're not going to take the kid, just don't have an abortion. The safe haven baby box says, look, here's the deal. It's kind of like a like one of those incubation type units you'd see in uh, Nick ICU or uh, just in labor delivery at a hospital. It's the perfect temperature. It's perfectly hygienic. Once the child is left in the box, there's an alarm that is uh, sounded that lets the people know there that the baby has been dropped off. And a lot of the reason for this, quite frankly, is there are some people who find themselves not able to care for a child in this way. And they might have a history of criminal malfeasance. They might, you know, have a record, if you will. And the last thing they want to do is go to a police department. You know, now the safe haven laws are designed so it's between mother and baby in the state or the county. It's not one of those, oh, you brought a baby in here. Well, we notice you have a couple of arrests for drug possession, or we notice that you've, uh, you know, you've got some traffic tickets or something. So since you dropped the baby off, we're just going to lock you up. It's not like that at all. Hospitals aren't turning people in. Fire departments aren't turning people in. Police departments aren't arresting women who come in with their babies. Basically, with a safe haven law, you release the child for adoption. And you trust that when you place the baby in the box, the box is connected to a fire department, paramedics, uh, hospital, police department, and you don't have to worry about the baby. The baby box is for a child that is 30 days old or less. The requirement by law is that every one of the places where the boxes are has to be staffed 24 hours a day, which is why a police station, fire department, hospital are perfect. It also requires the notification system 
So first responders on site would be notified. They wouldn't necessarily get the information about the woman, but they would def- dropping off the baby, but they definitely have information for the kid. Now, what's interesting is um, uh, Kentucky passed the law in 2021. They now have 16 baby box locations all throughout the Commonwealth. Basically, they're installed into the exterior wall of a fire station or hospital. And that's how Kentucky does it. The exterior door automatically locks when a newborn is placed inside. The interior door lets a medical staff member secure the baby from the inside of the building. So a child is legally, safely, anonymously, and lovingly placed into the safe haven box. And that speaks a lot about the parents. That's good news. But remember, I said the law was passed in... 2021 there are 16 baby box safe haven baby boxes in the commonwealth of kentucky there are 130 baby boxes nationwide so how many kids have actually been rescued we'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues life insurance will never replace the person you love but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh and so grateful Uh, that you're here with us today. We're talking about baby boxes and the Safe Haven Baby Box uh, program out of Kentucky. By the way, still a few moments left to get your call in for Erica Anderson's book called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. Link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Safe Haven Baby Box Company, uh, the founder and CEO, Monica Kelsey, made an announcement this past Friday that the Commonwealth of Kentucky has seen its first infant anonymously dropped off at one of its baby box safe surrender locations. That's the first child in Kentucky. There are 130 baby boxes and drawers nationwide. There are 16 in Kentucky, and the law was passed almost two years ago. This is the first baby aged 30 days or younger to be dropped off at a fire department or or a hospital in the safe haven baby box how many kids have been rescued because of this program over the past couple of years the answer is 24 130 baby boxes nine different states 24 kids over the past two years you think the abortion industry hasn't done a number on american women and american moms with regard to releasing your child for adoption a lot of women don't know it's an option but a lot of women are told it's dangerous it's awful it's 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 completely unsafe brothers and sisters i'm here to tell you this is one of the most humane things you can do but you have to understand the humanity of your situation and that's why i encourage you to contact preborn at 833-850-BABY Make a donation to support the ultrasound technology that Preborn offers free to women. It's $28 per visit, and every child saved is another child rescued. 833-850-BABY is the number to call to Preborn today. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. We've got Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, it's time for this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Coming up next as the bottom line continues.